Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, Liverpool One Church, it is so great to have you with us today for service. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? Man, I'm so glad that you've decided to come out to church and be with us today. And that's for every single one that is gathered in the room, but also for you guys that are at home tuning in online. We're glad that you could make it too. Um, I think that God is going to do something today. I think that He's going to speak into some of your lives, perhaps not everybody, because really the level at which God can speak to the depth of your soul is typically based on the level at which your heart is open to hear that still small voice from God. But if you're in church today and maybe you're feeling a little bit downcast or a little bit discouraged or maybe even despondent somewhat, Maybe this last week since Easter has not gone how you'd have hoped, or maybe you've just got things going on in your world right now that are causing you to doubt, and not only are you doubting your faith, but you're doubting God, and you're, you're here in church, and honestly, you're here, and you're, you're in by the skin of your teeth, and you're kind of, you've almost made a deal with God today that you're going to give it one more week, then I'm really praying that as we all leave church today, but you especially will be walking out knowing, feeling and sensing like you've just heard from God. And I think that that's possible. I think that if you have a level of expectation in your life, I think that that can happen. But I don't think that it can happen unless we do the right thing first and that's centre Jesus right in the very crux of everything that's about to take place. So hey, why don't we just bow our heads real quick and why don't we all pray together? Heavenly Father, we ask that today by the power of Your Spirit that You would be with us. Lord, I pray that You would use every single one of these words that are going to come out of my mouth, that You would wrap them together in a way that would make sense. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would help me to communicate in a way that's going to be life-giving for every single person that's going to hear in the room and online. And Holy Spirit, we ask that when we all leave church today, that we would just walk out knowing, feeling and sensing like we have just heard from you. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus and the church together said, Amen. Okay, so let's have the honest conversation. I think that there are always going to be two perspectives that any single preacher, church leader, communicator is going to come up on a Sunday and deliver any kind of a talk like this. There are always going to be two angles, two sort of places in life that that person doing the speaking is going to find himself coming from. And typically those two places are, A, it's a place that they're going to talk about something that they have learnt, that they have mastered, and now they're willing to communicate about it. Or, It's something that if they haven't learned, the other perspective, the other placement is a place where they are learning something. And whilst they're learning something, they're being willing and open and humble and authentic enough to kind of go, I struggle with this too. I haven't got all of the answers down, but I think this is kind of a thing that God would want to convey to me. So I'm going to try and convey it to you. And really it's that second placement 
where I'm gonna speak to you from today. It's more from a, a heart placement of me trying to do better in one particular area in my faith life, but absolutely knowing that I have not got this mastered, I have not got this down. So I just wanna share some thoughts with you today that have been an encouragement for me. And my prayer is that they would be an encouragement for you too. If you've ever felt discouraged as a result of God not doing something in your life, then I wanna speak to that area of your life today. If you've ever felt despondent, almost like somewhat a little bit faithless, almost on the verge of walking away from your faith because you've got all of this disillusionment going on because stuff's happened in your world and you didn't plan it, you didn't agree for that to happen, you've got no control over whatever it is that's happening and it's now left you feeling somewhat faithless than the person that you were a year ago and now you're feeling somewhat despondent, then this is gonna speak to you. Or maybe if you've ever asked yourself this question, because I know that I have, is God done with me now? If you've ever wondered about that question, like, is God done? Is this all or is there something else? Is there something more? Then I think that I'm gonna be able to communicate because these are three things that, historically will come in waves in my life where I end up questioning the very thing that I absolutely know to be true, but at the same time, all of these questions cause all of this doubt that makes me almost go like, God, do you know what I'm going through? Are you even real? Do you even care? And if you're anything like me, you've probably had a season in your life too where you're like, God, do you know what I'm going through at home? And you can fill in the blank with my family. God, do you know what I'm going through? in the business with the finances? Do you know what I'm going through with that staff member? And all of those questions because of the circumstances of your life that surround you almost make you doubt the very thing that you know to be true. I am sporting a new bracelet today, a new bangle. It is a shiny silver bangle. It has um, a, a pink elasticated band. It's got several turquoise and blue I don't even know what you'd call them, like bead things that have been placed on them. And it also has a, a stunning little emblem of a dog that has pink ears and a blue face. Because I'm just that kind of guy and willing to risk all of my masculinity by showing you the new bangle that I am sporting today in church. This, this little bracelet, I don't even know what you call them, like bangle bracelet, I don't even know. What are these things called? A bracelet, okay. So this little bracelet was brought to me as a gift from a three-year-old girl in the church last Sunday on Easter Sunday, as she and her family were walking out of church, she came running over to me and she was like so excited. I mean, she was buzzing her head off because she had all week been making this bracelet for me. That's right, Ah. Oh. Oh yeah, well done little Maddie, like three years old in the making. I think it's probably just an entrepreneurial spirit that she has and she was hoping for a plug on Sunday. That's what I think was really happening. But she brings me this bracelet and she was so excited to give it to me. And she was like, I've been making this for you all week. I'm not gonna try and impersonate a three-year-old, but she was saying, you know, look, I've been making this for you. And she was wanting to give me a hug. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And apparently the background is 
The week prior, when she was leaving church with her family, she had a shiny bracelet on and I had said to her like, hey Mads, I, I love your bracelet. That's like the shiniest bracelet I've ever seen. When you wear that, you look like a princess. And um, her dad was telling me that since I said that to her, she went home after church and was like nagging mum and dad because she wanted to make me a bracelet too. And I did the right thing. Like whilst I was in front of her, I took it on the wrist and I was like, thank you so much, Mads. That's amazing. Like, and she was like, oh, by the way, the little thing of the dog, that's your dog, Coco. And I was like, wow, you know that I've got a dog called Coco. That just looks like my dog. Pink ears, blue face and everything. Like that is literally <laughs> my dog. So, so I took it on my wrist and I wore it literally right on my wrist just until she'd exited far enough before I could take it off very quickly. <laughs> And then when I got home, I'd taken off the jacket I was wearing and I'd just put it on my table in my bedroom. And then this week, I never even thought once of it. And have you ever had one of these moments whereby you just have a day or maybe a couple of days where you just ask the question, God, I don't know what you're doing in my life. Like, God, I've got some big fires to fight and I don't even know how you're gonna do it. Like, seriously, I have no clue how you're going to do A, what you're going to do with B, what you're going to do with C. And almost to a point where it was just really starting to feel a little overwhelming. And like, I'd gone through this for a couple of days and I'd spoke with Emma and she was getting a bit vexed because I was a bit stressed out. And the next morning I woke up and as I was getting ready, there was this bracelet on a table next to all of my aftershave. And literally I picked up this bracelet and I don't even know why I did it. Now, as I picked the bracelet up, I'm just gonna tell you something that I thought. And I'm not gonna use the words that God said to me. I'm not gonna use the word the Lord spoke. I'm not gonna tell you that the Holy Spirit dropped something into my heart because the truth is, even in a best case scenario, you never know. Even in the best case scenario, you're only maybe 80%. And I find that that language is not always helpful in a church because it can come across as being controlling and manipulative. So I'm not gonna use that kind of language. But what I will say is that as I started to look down at this bracelet that I had almost discarded and placed on a table, I, I had this thought where I felt on the inside of me almost like a statement or a question that was posed to me along the lines of, do you not think that if a three-year-old girl can take a small, seemingly insignificant statement that you said last week and remember it and hold dear to it so much that she goes home and she makes this and she plans for this and she schemes for this and she comes skipping into church so that when she finds you, she can present you with this. Do you not think if that's what a three-year-old girl can do on the basis of her understanding of what she likes, do you not think that your heavenly Father in heaven knows exactly what you're dealing with, knows exactly what's on your plate, knows exactly of all the things that you're worried about and He's got the answer. So this bracelet has become like this significant thing in my life and I don't think it was given to me for the purposes of me wearing it as a bracelet. It was a sign to me personally of actually, this is how God works in your life. He knows exactly what you're going through and He's got exactly what you need at just the right time. So you need to stop worrying about a bunch of stuff that you're losing your head about worrying over. So have you ever felt like perhaps God has forgotten you? 
Have you ever felt like maybe you've got thoughts that are going on that are based around what's happening in your world that makes you feel like, God, are you there? Do you care? Are you even real? The kind of thoughts that when you have them, it questions your very belief in the existence of God because you don't understand how things are going to happen. The prophet Isaiah in verse 55, he writes this. It's interesting about the discrepancy about the way God thinks and about the way we as mankind think. He writes this. For my thoughts, and it's being spoken to us as though it's from the heartbeat of God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, there is this statement that the prophet is wanting you to know and me to know that sometimes the way that we think, even though it's the best that we can think, it's not the same as how God thinks. The way that we look at life is not the same way that God often looks at life. We often do life worrying and becoming concerned and consumed about things that God is not worried or concerned about at all. And in fact, the prophet goes on to say in verse nine, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So not only are God's thoughts different to ours, they're also higher than ours. In other words, he has a better way of thinking and looking at things that we just don't have the capability of doing. It's almost like that God looks at your life with the box of the jigsaw and a completed puzzle, whilst you're looking at it with one piece and no other pieces on the table, trying to figure everything out. And it's whilst you're holding the one piece of the puzzle of your life that you're most likely to start to question and doubt, is God real? Does he care? Feel almost despondent, a little bit faithless because something's going on in your world that you can't see God moving in. I'm gonna show my age a little bit now, but I can remember as a kid, almost a kid anyway, I remember Jonathan Edwards, who was the British long jumper. And in 1995, he actually set the world record for the long jump. And it was interesting because he was the first person to ever jump past 18 metres. And everybody assumed that he was going to go on and get gold in Atlanta in 96 at the Olympics. But unfortunately, he just fell short. But he did go on to recover from that. And in Sydney in 2000, he won gold. He was the first guy that had ever jumped so far. 18 metres that man jumped. But I actually think there are some of you in church today and you can jump further than 18 metres. Perhaps not off a running track and into a pit of sand, but you can absolutely jump way further than 18 metres when it comes down to jumping to conclusions. There are some people, and maybe you are the guy, you are the girl, or there are some people that you know of and they just have a habit of jumping to conclusions, oftentimes the wrong conclusion. They think that something's gonna be one way, but actually it's something completely different. They question someone's intentions and motives when actually all they had was goodwill towards them. You'll know people like that. And many of us are exceptionally good at jumping to the wrong conclusion. There are many people in the Bible, in the Scriptures, that are also guilty of jumping to the wrong conclusions. And we're going to go and have a look briefly at one particular character whose name is Zachariah, and his story is found in the New Testament. Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth were the parents of the man that we now know to be John the Baptist. 
but they actually ended up giving birth to John the Baptist when they were very elderly in years. And it was at a time when they were not expecting to ever be responsible to giving birth and bringing a new life into the world. Now, Zachariah, he was somebody that served as a priest in the temple and he was in the line of Aaron and he was actually one of amongst 18,000 that had been chosen and selected to go into the temple. You could make the very loose analogy, although it's not strictly true, but it might be helpful. It's almost like their, their style of church. He was going into the temple where he was going to worship God and he had been given the responsibility that 18,000 others had not and that was the responsibility of lighting incense in the temple. So it was a really big deal for Zachariah. But not only was it a big deal for him to go into the temple to light the incense, but what happened in the temple was an even bigger deal. Because while Zachariah was in the temple, the angel Gabriel, check this out, it sounds a bit weird, but this is true and it's a freaky story. The angel Gabriel came and presented himself to Zachariah and he had some literally amazing news for Zachariah. He turns around to Zachariah and he tells him, you shall bear a son. I mean, imagine that, right? An angel from God comes and visits you and tells you that you're gonna bear a child. Now, the next thing that Zachariah said to the angel Gabriel is somewhat surprising when you consider that he was one of the only 18,000 and he was in the temple and then there's an angel stood right in front of him. But Zachariah's response to him was this, how can I be sure of this? Hang on. You have an angel that stood in front of you telling you that you and your wife are gonna give birth and all you wanna know is how can I be sure of this, right? Well, Zachariah was doing the same thing that I would have done. He was jumping to a conclusion. It was maybe even the wrong conclusion. It was a conclusion of looking at his world and the context thereof and assuming that maybe God couldn't do it or God wouldn't do it. Because the context of Zachariah's life was one of having gone years and years and years without any child and probably praying for a child and never being a recipient of a child. So now when he's in his elderly years, he's told by God he's gonna have a child, but he struggles with that. So what does he say? He says, how can I be sure of this? And it came at a time when the angel was giving clarity to Zachariah over something that God was gonna do in his life. But what the angel was not giving him was what we all want, which is the certainty of knowing how God is going to do it in his life. Anytime you experience a question or a season or a time where you are wanting from God certainty, it can be problematic from you. Anytime you need certainty, it prohibits your ability to experience what God is speaking over your life because it's just not how God works. So now the angel Gabriel and Zachariah is in this situation where Zachariah is going like, I'm not even sure if God's gonna do this. I've got no clue of knowing how he's gonna do this. So the angel responds to him and says, well, because that you're doubting all of the time, because you can't even believe this, then I'm gonna actually make it so that you can't even speak until the, the birth of the child comes forth in order to fulfill the words of the prophets. Because who we now know of John, as John the Baptist, Zachariah only knew him as a statistical improbability. That was the reality of his life. Zachariah was experiencing the same problem that I often experience too. And I think you do also. He, he, he had this problem, this issue whereby the angel had spoken to him 
And what he was struggling with was, how is this going to happen? It wasn't even necessarily that is this is going to happen. It was, how are you going to do this? And that creates a problem because for every day, week and month, you spend fixated on the how is God going to do this? You miss out on the who God is showing you that he is in this season. Don't ever sacrifice knowing who God is because you're so demanding to know how he's going to do something. This was the problem that Zachariah was experiencing. Going back to our jumping stories and without wanting to give you an education in the scientific matter of the long jump. But one interesting part about the long jump, and I think this is what Jonathan Edwards experienced all those years ago, is that the most important factor for distance is the velocity at takeoff. In other words, if you want to travel far in the jump, it is all determined by the way in which your feet leave the ground. In other words, the way that you left the ground determines how far you're going to jump. The way that you stepped last determines how far you're able to jump. And I think that this is something that happens in our lives too when it comes to jumping to the wrong conclusions. It's our starting place of belief in our life that really determines the conclusions that we jump to. And this was the problem for Zachariah. His starting place in life His belief system was rooted in and held on a belief that he'd only experienced decades of being childless. So now he jumped to a conclusion that almost said, well, how is God ever going to do this? Because my experience tells me God has never done this in the past. He's never done this for me before. So how is he going to do it now? This was the trouble that he had encountered. And yet it was completely the opposite to his wife, Elizabeth, right? His wife, Elizabeth, when she receives the news that they're going to give birth to John the Baptist, although at the time they weren't told it was going to be John the Baptist, but at that time, Elizabeth's response was totally different to Zachariah's. She literally turns around and she goes, amazing, how blessed am I amongst all the women of Israel? Who'd have thought it, right? Who'd have thought this? God's going to do something amazing in my life. And who would have known? Who would have seen this coming? How highly favoured. I am so blessed. You see, the conclusion that you jump to is always rooted in your starting place. It's always rooted in the belief system that you've got going on in your life. And I've experienced this, and I'm going to try and make this relate to many of you in the room too. But As a pastor, leader of a church, whatever you want to call me, there have been times and seasons in my life where because of what's happening around me, it makes it very difficult for me to see and understand how God is moving. So I can have seasons whereby it feels like the phone goes all the time and the only news I'm ever given is bad news. Like maybe you're a manager in work and you've got a team, you've got staff, you've got people that you work with, or maybe you've got your own business, or maybe you are the business owner, you're a director in a company, and you know what it's like to to juggle people, to juggle pressure. You'll know exactly what it's like sometimes to feel like 
The only news that comes your way is the bad news. And typically that's what happens when you lead a church, you tend to find out about the stuff where the wheel is really falling off. Like somebody's done something crazy. There's a real big tension to manage over here. There's a pressure over here. And it's no different to your life too, because you know what it's like to go into work and almost dread the emails. Like who's gonna quit today? Who's gonna backstab me today? Who, what sales contract is not gonna come in today? What order's gonna fall through? What supply line is going to break down? It's the same for you as it can be for me too. It's like, you know, who's going to do something crazy today? What else is going to break? What else is going to go wrong? And what happens is over time, the more you receive bad news, you start to expect bad news. So every time the phone goes, you don't even want to answer it. You don't even want to respond to the texts. You don't even want to open up your emails because it feels like all you're doing is receiving bad news every time you log on to see where it's at. It just feels like it's bad news. And the problem with being a recipient of bad news, which is what Zachariah had experienced all of his life, of not being able to be a father, of not being able to bring forth a child. The problem with bad news is that it creates bad beliefs. So when you're in a season where all you're hearing is bad news, it almost it affects the way you think and it affects the way you believe. And you've got to know sometimes the way that you think is just faulty. It's not right. It's not always in line with how God thinks, which is why Isaiah the prophet lets us know, hey, look, the way that God thinks is so much higher than the way that you think. You think thoughts that God's not thinking about at all because bad news creates bad beliefs. It's easy to jump to the wrong conclusion. Something's never going to work. Something's going to fail. That relationship will never be repaired. If the starting place that, you've, that you're jumping from is surrounded with bad news. But what's interesting about the son that Zachariah and Elizabeth did give birth to, John the Baptist, is that he did something pretty amazing. In fact, in John 1, it tells us what John the Baptist did in verse 29. It says that the next day, John saw Jesus toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in verse 30, it says this, this is the one, this is John the Baptist, looking at Jesus, seeing Jesus come towards him. This is the one, John the Baptist. Now with a huge degree of certainty, he's making a conclusion. He's adamant, this is the one. And he goes on, this is the one who I was talking about, who I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Verse 35, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and he said, look, the Lamb of God. In other words, this is who John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was the guy that went around all Jerusalem and Judea and he was the one that was proclaiming that Jesus was the one and only son of the one and only God whose life had been given so that through him, we could know the Father in heaven. It was John the Baptist that was saying a conclusive statement. This is him who the prophets have been writing about, who the scriptures have foretold. He's here. He's amongst us. He's arrived. He was so excited. He was celebrating. He was like, this is Jesus. This is the one, guys. This is Him. And every time he would see Jesus walking by, there was something in John's spirit that would almost jump for joy as he would declare, this is Him. This is the one. And yet I wish that that was a confession 
that we could say that John held true to for the rest of his life. That conclusive statement of saying an acknowledgement piece of, this is the Christ. I know who he is. I believe he's been sent by God. This was the statement that John had made that I wish that we could stand up here today and say, I wish I could tell you that he never went away from that statement. I wish I could get up here today and tell you about the times that John the Baptist and Jesus travelled the world together doing arena tours and John the Baptist was like the warm-up act and Jesus was the main stage, you know. I wish that that's what we could talk about, but that actually isn't the history of his life. I wish I could tell you that he never wavered from this statement, but I can't. And in the same way, I wish that I could tell you, and I guess that this is the reason really why we're not very good at Liverpool One Church at getting up and trying to have any kind of tricky, preachery, sneakily, kind of talk. Like, we're just not good at that. It's like, if you want 30 things that all begin with the letter P and everything's succinct, it's probably not us. Our strength is just being like, we'll, we'll tell our story. And I can tell you my stories. I wish I could say that as a preacher, as a leader of a church, that there has never been a time in my life where I've ever even doubted one of my own messages. But the truth is I have. There have been times where I've looked back in reflection and kind of almost asked the question like, how did I even preach that? Because I'm struggling with the same thing that I've spoken about myself. It's almost the place where my life is at today. I'm questioning things about God, but I know that He's faithful, but I just don't know how He's gonna do certain things. So I don't stand up here going, look at me, I'm perfect. We say, no, no, you can look at us if you want, but you're gonna be really badly let down, but you can do what we do, which is look to Jesus, the one and only perfecter of our faith. We haven't got the answers, but we'll point you to the man who has. I wish that I could tell you that every single time I get up to preach, I don't have a moment where I lift my hands upwards out of sight of everybody. And my prayer is, God, I do not want to go out there unless your Holy Spirit is in here. But every single time, almost with fear and trembling, I'm like, God, I don't even want to do this unless you're coming with me. God, if you're not in this, then I don't want to be a part of this. Every single time. I wish that I could say to you that the Scriptures that we know, about how if God is for me, then who could be against me would be enough to ever stop me asking a question, would be enough to never make me doubt in a way that almost asks the question of God, do you know what we're dealing with? Do you know what the future holds? I wish that I could say that knowing Scriptures like Philippians teaches about how I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me would make me get up every single morning going, I could do whatever I want because Christ strengthens me, but I'm just the same as you. At times we have these doubts and disillusionments where we're questioning certain aspects of our lives and our ministry and our work and our family and our careers and our finances. And that in turn causes other questions that we throw out to God, I wish that I could tell you that I knew the Scripture in Romans that talks about no weapon formed against me will ever prosper, that that would be enough to stop anybody that wants to say something critical about me or my family to sustain me through that period and it just be like water off a duck's back. But the truth is, it just, it just isn't. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. And I think that that's the story that we find about John the Baptist. We wish that the statement that he was the one making the statement of would be the statement that he held true to, but it just wasn't. And then in Matthew 11, there is this really disturbing question that is asked of Jesus, Matthew 11, verse three. And what makes it disturbing is not the question, but it's actually the asker of the question that I personally find disturbing. Because in Matthew 11, to Jesus, he is asked, are you the one? Are you the one 
who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And this wouldn't be a problem to me if this question had been maybe asked by one of the adulterous women that Jesus had been dragged before when the Pharisees had thrown this lady in front of her. I would understand that, or maybe the woman at the well who doesn't necessarily understand all the things to do with the Jewish law and the the religious way of life. I would completely get that because they would have a somewhat lessened understanding than those that were around them. Or I would understand it if maybe if it was asked by Peter, because Peter was the one, if you remember, he was the guy that literally had a moment where he, he almost like had a crisis of belief where he was like, I don't even know if God's real anymore and he finds himself at a campfire and he's saying to a young girl, I don't know who Jesus is. He was the one that denied Jesus. I would understand the question if it was asked by him. Or I would understand it even better if it was a question that was asked by Thomas. Thomas was the man who I think unfairly so, but still he got it, was given a nickname as Doubting Thomas because after the crucifixion, he had this inquisitive mind that literally went to Jesus and said, I can only believe you if you show me your hands. I wanna see the marks. I wanna see the scars. Like I wanna see where the nails really went through. And I would understand it if that question was asked by Thomas, the doubter, because it would be in sync with his character profile, it would make perfect sense. But this question in Matthew 11 was not put to Jesus by Peter or by Thomas. The question was put to Jesus. The question was asked to Jesus, are you the one? By the man who asked the question originally, as a statement saying, this is the one. The one that was having a crisis of belief, doubting everything that he'd ever seen, that he'd ever known. The one that went round telling the disciples, this is the one, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one that the prophets have foretold of is now in Matthew 11, the one that's asking Jesus, are you really the one? Are you still the one? And I think this is the same thing that we struggle with too. It's not that we've never known that Jesus is the one, but sometimes we have seasons where we question and we wrestle, are you still the one? Are you still the one, Jesus? And the issue is this, is if you start believing that having proof of your faith will mean that you'll never doubt God, it's a really dangerous place to be in because the moment that you do doubt God, your faith life will just simply shatter and fall apart. Because this was John the Baptist, guys. This was the one that made the way, that prepared the way for the forthcoming Messiah. (laughs) This is John the Baptist. He went everywhere saying, this is the one. And now he's the one who's going, you still the one? I'm just not sure anymore. And the context of John's life at this point where he's asking this question, He'd been imprisoned and his life wasn't going the way that he'd have hoped, the way that he saw, the way that he'd imagined. And now he sent a letter, sent word to Jesus, are you still the one? And then the way that Jesus responds to John is pretty cool. He says this in verse 11, verse six, he says, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. Come bring me my stool. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble, that does not lie down, that does not stop on account of me. He was saying to John, hey, listen, John, 
There's gonna be times in your life when there are gonna be things that happen that are outside of your control and you're not gonna understand how God is gonna work through them. You're not even gonna be certain that God is gonna work through them. But those that choose to keep the faith in those times when you can't see God's hands working, yet you still choose to trust that His heart is working for you. They're the ones that again end up living a blessed life. Blessed is the one that does not stumble on account of Him stumble. You know what that word really means? It means like when you've got an obstacle in your life that looks like it could be something that's going to trip you up, looks like it's going to be something that could cause you damage, maybe even take you out. Jesus is saying when you've got an obstacle in your life that's causing you to doubt, be discouraged, become disillusioned, maybe even feel a little bit disenfranchised, you've got stuff going on. Blessed is you when you choose not to allow that object or that obstacle to trip you up in life. But the question I think remains is, what do we do with the obstacle? If we're blessed, if we don't stumble, what are our options with the challenge that we all face? Where's someone come and help me? Come out here and help me. This is Dan. I need your help for a moment, Dan, okay? Dan, have you been in the gym early this morning doing any squats? That's good, okay, because you might not be doing any this week either. You see, the thing is, is that I think that what Jesus was trying to indicate to us is there's a way actually to remain faithful to me in your faith life. And there's a way to deal with your doubt and deal with your discouragement. But it starts by not tripping over that which is in front of you. But you have to make a choice about what you're gonna do with the obstacle that's in front of you. And I think sometimes with the things that are presented in our life that cause us to doubt, even though they should trip us up, I do think that there's an answer for it. And I think, and this is where you're gonna help me because what I need you to do is just follow what I'm saying. What I think the encouragement is for us to do is when there's something in your life that's gonna cause you to doubt, cause you to be overwhelmed, cause you to be disillusioned, you've gotta make a choice to jump over the thing. So let's jump. Come on, let's work those quads. And this is not gonna be a one-off thing that happens in your life, but you're gonna go through one day, one week before something else. So turn around real quick. And then there's gonna be another time where you're gonna have to jump again over something that's going on in your family or something that's going on in your finances. And you're gonna be hit with an obstacle that feels like it's gonna take you out and it's gonna make you jump. And then the next day, something else is gonna happen. Turn around quick, we're gonna speed it up. And then we're gonna jump over the obstacle and we're gonna turn around and we're gonna jump over those negative things. And you just keep jumping for a moment. And all of those things that might come in your world. Hey, anybody done any HIIT training like Insanity or T25? Have you noticed what they make you do loads of? Jumping. No, no, don't stop now. Let's keep jumping. Let's keep jumping. Let's keep jumping. Because here's the thing. The obstacle that you think causes you to stumble and take you out. Every time you choose not to be taken out by it, but choose to jump over it. Do you know what it's doing? It is strengthening your faith. How are the legs feeling right now? Are they burning? Are they burning? You're doing a great job, but I need you for the 12. So you can um, take a great big round of applause. Thank you very much. Because I need you in a bit. So my encouragement for you today is simply this. If you've ever landed at a place where you're a little bit confused, doubting a lot, somewhat disorientated of how God is gonna do what you believe He said over your life, just don't stop jumping. Just don't stop stepping over. Why? Because Isaiah 55 verse eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. 
declares the Lord. In other words, the way you think is not always the right way of thinking. What if the very thing that is standing in front of you today is the very thing that God wants to use to demonstrate who He is to you? If you'll just be willing to keep going and not quit and stay in the game and jump over it. What if the thing that's presenting to you today that looks like it's gonna absolutely take you out is gonna be the thing that God's gonna use to strengthen your faith and strengthen your relationship with Him? What if the thing that you thought was gonna make you stumble, maybe it's a memory about something that's happened. Maybe it's something that's hypothetical that you worried about that might not ever happen, but still it holds you in a sense of fear of doubting God. And how could you allow this to happen? And maybe it's happened somewhere else. This could happen to me. Maybe that is the thing that God is gonna use to strengthen your faith. So don't trip because someone criticises you. Don't trip because there are times when life doesn't go your way. Don't trip because something relationally feels a little bit out of kilter. Don't trip because something's gone wrong financially and you have no clue how you're ever gonna solve it, how you're ever gonna fix it. Don't trip because one person said no to the job interview that you applied for. Don't trip because the girl said no, because the guy said no. Just whatever you do, don't trip and stay in the game because remember, blessed, blessed is He that does not stumble but jumps. Blessed is He that does not stumble on account of me. Liverpool One Church, can we stand to our feet as we pray? I'm going to ask us all in church today just to close our eyes and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we ask that today that You would strengthen our souls, that You would encourage our spirits, that today by Your Holy Spirit, You would give us the ability to keep jumping and staying in the game when sometimes we don't feel like staying in the game. I pray that for anybody in church today that feels like giving up or quitting or walking away. Lord, I pray that You by Your Holy Spirit would supernaturally give them the strength to, to just keep jumping, to just, to just keep jumping just one more day, to just keep jumping just one more week. Father, I pray that by Your Holy Spirit and the power thereof that You would supernaturally just intervene and interject in circumstances where people are facing what feels to them like giant brick, immovable walls, that God, that You would just, You would just be You and You would help us to remember that it is blessed, blessed are they who do not fall, who do not stumble, who do not trip up even in spite of me. And everybody said, Amen. Everyone keep your eyes closed, head bowed real quick. One final prayer today in church. If you've never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus, or maybe if you're in church today and you're like, man, I wanna give my life back to Christ and I've been running from Him. I've been doing my best to avoid Him for such a long time. But today in church is a day where you wanna say, yep, I wanna give my heart to Him. Then I want you to pray this prayer after me right now. Father in heaven, I come to you today because I wanna know who you are. I believe that you're real. And I believe that you gave Jesus on a cross to die for me. So now I put my faith in You and I'm asking that You come and live in my life. Come and take residence in my heart. Forgive me of my sin and all that I've done wrong as from this point forward, I'm choosing to become a follower of the way and to call myself a Christian. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.